is Ashley from Jupiter One. So glad that you're here for us on Cyber Therapy. We are actually streaming live from RSA, and I'd love to introduce our guest, Tracy Bannon. Can you say hello? Hey, guys. Um, glad hello. to be here today. This is going to be fun. We're doing this live. We'll see if we can uh, break some rules. Yeah, it's going to be great. And then, obviously, co-hosting with us, he's back in fashion, Tyler Shields. Woo! Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for the introduction, Ashley. Appreciate it. Um, I am not coming to you live from RSA, but I do have, uh, I'm actually home at my home and I do have something really cool I want to introduce and that's Fathead Tyler right back here. <laughs> I was going to ask, where did that come from? Uh, it's, uh, you know, everybody needs a fathead next to them. So I have a fathead. Does well, it even I mean, fit through the door? Well, I mean, I barely fit through the door. I mean, this one shouldn't either, right? Let's be real here. So yeah, this, I would like to introduce you to Fathead Tyler. If we ever need some off-color commentary that regular Tyler's, you know, wouldn't feel comfortable saying, we can always Fathead. have Fathead Tyler participate in the conversation. So yeah. he'll be he'll just be right back here. He's huge, by the way. I mean, like really. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know what the cover art is going to be for this video. I guarantee it. It's going to be related to Fathead Tyler once oh, again. Yes. yes, it has to be. Yes, please. So can you introduce our amazing guest? Yeah, Tracy Bannon. She's amazing. I mean, I'm going to let her introduce herself, too, because she's got so much stuff to sell. But um, she's one of our amazing authors on the latest book, Reinventing Cybersecurity. Her chapter is all about retraining muscle memory because, mm -hmm. you know, when you're in organizations, you have processes and stuff that you um, get used to doing. And so it's how do you transform that to include more people at the table um, dev and security and ops all being friends working together. Um, she's also just an amazing person, amazing speaker. She also does her podcast on TechStrong as well. Mm -hmm. oh, um, cool. But yeah, what else would you like to share? Oh, gosh. So that's a whole lot, but uh, let's see. I am by training an architect, software architect. I'm an engineer, spend a lot of time helping people solve problems with software, and then ended up talking a lot about people because they get in the way. Uh, <laughs> and so a lot of what we end up doing is tearing down those silos so that we can actually get some stuff i edited myself get some stuff done yeah <laughs> you don't have to edit yourself on this show that's it's okay okay we can just always, we can just always say fathead tyler said it so it's fine. Oh, okay there you go there you go <laughs> yeah so so before we get digging into uh into your background tracy because i definitely you have an amazing background you have amazing really cool stories i loved your contribution to the book i i want to dig into all of that but i want to take two seconds and say hello and and he's welcome to scream and yell and say hello very quickly to tyler peterson the newest member of the cyber therapy family say hello t there he is there he is that's there he is. So yes, we are coming that's live. Our, that is you. Tyler Peterson. He is. <laughs> yeah, Tyler is our latest production producer, leader for all things video, and will be helping organize this show among other shows that we'll be building on the Cyber Therapy and Jupiter One brand. So welcome to. Thank you. <laughs> there it is. All right. I knew he could hear me. I knew he could hear me. We're, we're going to actually have him with a microphone at some point and he can participate in the show as necessary. But um, can I start the conversation uh, with both of you, Ashley and Tracy? Can you tell me how's RSA? I miss it. This is the first time in like, I can't tell you how long that I haven't been at RSA. Well, outside of pandemic when they didn't have it. How is it? How's the show? A lot of cool You've people, cool RSA things. Before? Is it boring? Okay. Work? Well, I'll let I'll let Ashley start because she's been at RSA before, and this I'm I'm a newbie to RSA, uh, so I'll give you my opinion. Oh no, yeah, kidding. this I, is your inaugural most, visit. It is. It wow. Is. Okay. Well, my my usual experience is as a vendor, right? So you normally have the circus of the expo halls, and then you get to go to all the events and what, visit the lounges and stuff. I will say the. It feels like this is an important event. There are a lot of people here. There mm -hmm. also are not as many people. So you actually have space to sit, do your work. It's not like super crowded, which has been nice. Um, we were just talking about lines to the bathroom haven't been as bad. Uh, and so it's just, it's been a fun event. I think a lot of the sessions, um, it's just been great to be in person again. Um, you got a lot of people respecting, you know, with masks or not masks, however people feel mm -hmm. comfortable. Um, a lot of, you know, restaurants and exciting stuff going on. There's a lot of respect going on right mm -hmm. now. Um, I was really glad to see the, the caliber of the speakers because you worry, you know, are people going to show up because people are gambling. Mm -hmm. How many folks are actually going to show up for this thing? Um, and yesterday was the actual kickoff, but a lot of people traveled in yesterday. Mm -hmm. So during the it was medium 
crowds and things every once in a while you'd have a just a killer speaker and you'd think why is this only filled up a quarter mm -hmm. uh, then folks are streaming in like when i came in yesterday i had my qr code i walked right up to the kiosk jack ching i'm done yep i saw people in line last night for quite a bit yeah. and the oh, wow. All was really, really hopping last night. Of course, mm -hmm. there was free alcohol and free food. So, <laughs> yes. of course, and, and free giveaways. Um, I will say, if we're going to talk about comparing this to other conferences, um, there are fewer socks than normal. I'm disappointed <laughs> at the amount of socks that there are. I like that's what I like to take home because I can take those. Yes. I don't need any more t-shirts. No more damn t-shirts. I don't need okay. any. No yos. I don't know. Okay, so so mental note, mental note. Mm -hmm. What I'm hearing is we definitely need Jupiter One socks coming soon. Hey, yes, yes. All right. Yeah. Well, I know a guy and a marketing team that might be able to make that happen for <laughs> Jupiter One. So, so we'll definitely put that on the to-do list. Let me. Uh, one thing I've noticed this year, and I'm I'm remote, right? I'm not actually mm -hmm. at RSA this this week. I'm still home. One thing I've noticed though is there is a lot, and it could be our participation in this side of things that makes me feel like there's a lot more than normal, but I feel like there's a lot of representation around diversity, inclusion, and actually putting forward trends around these these topics yeah. that I haven't seen pushed forward at any prior RSA. Can you tell me about what you guys have bumped into with regards to you know diversity, inclusion, um, you know, whether it's the, the participation that you have done directly as, as authors of a book and what you guys have done to actually deliver that. But also, what have you seen from others? Talk about maybe the lounge you bumped into, all those kinds of topics. What are we seeing at RSA around this topic? So I'll, I'll start off. Um, one of the things that I think is really interesting is the trend that you picked up on. For many years now, there's been the little offshoot women in tech breakfast over there. Um, but And there might be, there always are a few women speakers, but they're very much identified. Okay, we've got the woman technologist, woman security expert. Um, I see less of that type of branding and more actual inclusion. Um, so I'm seeing a lot of panels, a lot of individual speakers, all kinds of, of diversity, non-binary um, women, just a tremendous amount. But I'm seeing topics that are specifically about that. And that's the unusual part. It's not just a breakfast over on the side telling me how to deal with my childcare. It's really... Mm -hmm. Let's have a conversation about how we get all the really smart folk together, period. That is different than I've seen ever. Yeah, I think, generally uh, speaking, since now that I live in Colorado, coming back to San Francisco and being in as diverse of a population at, at RSA and in San Francisco as well, has been a wonderful, like, welcome back home because I am Bay Area native. Uh, and so that's been really good to see. Um, and we just did a panel with uh, three wonderful, four wonderful authors. Mm -hmm. Jasmine Henry moderated the panel discussion. Tracy was on there as well as Colleen Shane and Brianne Boland. And they were wonderful talking about their experience and really focusing on the human element and being able to bridge those gaps with various departments, building relationships to, you know, make what technology can't fix, which is working together. Yeah. Humans need to work together yeah. to make things better. Right. So it's been great. Yeah. I'm, I'm, Simultaneously jealous that I'm not there, but I'm also pretty happy that I'm not there. So we can we can set that that thought aside. Well, I'm glad I've successfully made you jealous. That means no, I'm jealous. I'm doing my job Fathead, right. Fathead Tyler is not jealous, but okay. real real Tyler is. Um, so <laughs> let's talk about a little bit about RSA itself, the show, the trends that you're seeing at the show itself. Have you guys seen any like? Listen, I've been going to that show as long as I can remember. I've been going to Black Hat forever. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm an old old guy, and I've every year you go and you see. This is the new hotness. It lasts two or three years. Maybe it continues on. Maybe it doesn't. What are you seeing that's the new hotness? What's everybody talking about? What's the big buzzword that, that you're seeing on the show floor this year? Yeah. S-bomb. Mm -hmm. S-bomb. -bomb. So AppSec related. Everywhere it's S-bomb. Yeah. Yeah. I'm um, a lot about it because you you know, the memos that have come out, the, the White House has put forth that, you know, industry needs to create these S bombs. We've been talking about having uh, a software bill of materials for a long time. So instead of just talking about a standard, there have been really great sessions that say, how do, what do we actually do with this? Um, how do I manage it? Is it an asset? The same as the way my code is an asset. It's actually a big hairy honking deal. And it's good to see that come to the, the forefront. So I'd say that's that's one of the bigger things. Um, in terms of tools, I blaring at me, I would say the thing that's interesting. 
interesting to me is obviously the human. If you mm-hmm. don't know me already, I love like just understanding human being more. And this year they have a track for the human yeah. element, right? Mm-hmm. Which has been super cool. Um, I went to a session yesterday um, with Carrie Tomlinson and she was talking about how to de-jargonize all our messaging. So that way people mm. who aren't security experts actually act on the things that we would love them to do. Well, even some of the tech, um, I would say the vast majority I went to, is it Allison Miller? Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Went to her session earlier today and she blew me away. Um, but she, it was interesting. I do a talk about no hobbies mm-hmm. and you've, you've, I've talked to you through it before about the fact that we keep trying to shift everything to the left. What that's supposed to mean is start as early as possible. Whatever that thing is, just start it. But what we're really doing when we say shift left is we dump it onto these development teams. So I have a set of principles about how you bring people together from a cultural perspective. Oh my gosh, she was talking about threat modeling, threat modeling as mm-hmm. something. She, and she had principles that were almost identical to some of the things that I talk about. And it was a tech, right? This was a tech talk where she went into the human element of it. How do you bring people together? How do you get them to focus on less on models and more on discussing the threats that could be there and helping to solve them together? So even in tech sessions, it's there. I I actually believe that it's not just a trend. I'm beginning to think it's maybe a realization. (laughs) Well, a realization and look back over the last two years, Mm -hmm. almost two and a half years, Mm -hmm. like, we forgot about humans, right? Running up, I was like running a mile a minute. I go from city to city, a double book, triple book things. And I'm now taking a, a moment to think. And as I'm taking that moment to think and breathe, so are other people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's helping us realize that it doesn't matter how fast you want to do this. If it's toxic, if we're not working together, mm-hmm. it ain't going to flow. Yep. It ain't going to happen. Yep. So that That is such an interesting line. I really wish I was at RSA so I could answer this next question myself. And and actually, it may be a stump question. So if you just go, I'm not answering it, that's fine. Have you felt this year versus previous years? Because Tracy, it's a first year person, mm-hmm. so she can't answer this question. Is there any emotional difference in anyone you've spoken to at RSA with regards to, look, this is the first time post pandemic that we're back at this show. Are people mm-hmm. feeling, hey, I'm excited to be around humans again. Are they still scared? Like, have you heard any vibe or no? Just haven't heard anything. Honestly, for me, I've been seeing a lot of people being like, hey, I haven't seen you in a long time. Like, you know, normally these conferences, mm-hmm. you're used to meeting up with people, going to coffee, getting out, going to drinks and, you know, dinners and stuff like that. And it's like, we're all back together. So the vibe that I've seen has been much more, hey, wide open arms. But there's a lot of grace too. Like yes. if somebody's got a mask on, like I'm I'm masking, just we just went through a whole family thing. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm gonna cool. put a little bit of extra protection on. But there are folks here mm-hmm. that I had planned to meet that I have been working with for years um, and have never been face to face with uh, over the last, you know, over the course of the pandemic. And you like come up to each other and be like, oh, yeah. So is this, is this good? <laughs> or, so people are given that grace though. So you're right that yeah. they want to really interact with each other, but at the same time, they're respecting each other in a yes. way that before it would have been like, Oh, I just give you a throw an arm around you and give you a hug. And now I'm like, I need to understand their space. Yeah. So. so. Yeah, no, that's super <laughs> interesting. I'm bumping into all sorts of, cause I'm, I'm Twitter, Twitter feed refreshing every 30 seconds. Because I'm, you know, having FOMO uh, this week, and you know, mm-hmm. I'm seeing all my friends posting photos. I just there was just a po- post uh, uh, with James Wicket and um, Josh Corman and a bunch of others that I've known forever, and I was like, ah, that would 100. percent I really want to give these guys a big hug. I haven't seen them in a few years, so I'm definitely mm-hmm. FOMOing that piece of it. But you know what? This is the year I miss. I'll be I'll be a black hat. I'll catch up with RSA next year. I'll catch up with all these friends. They're not going anywhere. Not going. We're not going anywhere. So, um, I want to shift gears a little bit here on this one and jump into some of your background, Tracy. Because you know, I uh, as in preparation for the show, I, I deep dive everybody. I read their LinkedIn's. I look at their background. I look at things they've created. I look at content they've put out. And in general, without without fail, I've never had a person on the show that I was like, okay, this person's boring, right? Everybody's got their amazing. <laughs> Everybody's background. got a story. Yeah. Okay, but yeah. but what and creepy you know, thing did you uncover about me? That's what I need to know. <laughs> oh, you shall never know. Well, actually, we have photos of some crazy things about you coming up later. <laughs> yes. 
that that will be very interesting. But we'll we'll get there. That's Fathead Tyler. We'll introduce those. Okay. Um, okay. Give me a little bit about your background, right? Uh, what do you do today? What's your role today? Your your main role, your side mm -hmm. hustles, the things you enjoy doing as well as the things you have to do. Um, and did you always know that this was perfect for you or did you have to find it over, over time? Like what, what's your, what's your origin story? Um, all right. So what do I do? I'll, I'll back you into it. Uh, sure. So what do I do now? Uh, I'm an architect. I, I get to design things. Uh, I get to interact with people. I get to break down problems. Um, I'm also an engineer. So I get to figure out what's the right way to go forward. I can build reference implementations. I can teach people how to use them. Uh, and I've been doing that for a while. And I really enjoy it. Um, where my career has gone has essentially been bigger and bigger problems. I just look for it. So right now I'm doing a lot of stuff at DOD. You want some big problems? There you go. Right. So yep. because they deal with really hairy, horny, these these crazy different problems, like I would have never thought that I would work on something to do with uh, a tank or a Blackhawk. Like so I'm learning about things. I'm learning about problem spaces and the challenges of being uh, software intensive, because we always talk about DevOps. Uh, as though you're building a business system. You know, you're just going to throw it in the cloud. I'm going to release every, you know, couple of minutes. Like, no. If I'm putting that software onto a naval vessel, I'm not doing that every couple of minutes. I'm actually going to be a little bit, uh, a little more pragmatic about it. So uh, that's that's kind of how I got there. Um, going backwards in tech, I've always been interested in tech. Uh, I, I think I've, I told you my story before. One of my earliest memories is my dad bringing home a cardboard box. Uh, and uh, it was big enough that we thought, oh, we can put a little chair inside this. And got my mom to cut a little door out of the back. And she cut some slots into the front of it. Now, this is where I'm going to age myself. Because then we drew some circles on the front because that was for the mag tape. And my brother, I argued on who got to be the brains inside the computer. Uh, and I got, and I won. Uh, and I, granted, we probably wrestled. And he probably won three other times that I just don't remember. But I remember sitting inside there. And he was writing stuff on cards and I couldn't read yet. So I'm about three, maybe three and a half. And he's pushing the card in and I'm supposed to come up with an answer. And so I would make shit up and <laughs> push it back out. Um, and I've just always enjoyed, like my mom's the art teacher. So I've always enjoyed the creative part. So for me, tech is creative. Yes, I know engineering is a certain repeatability. It's the science of repeatability, but there's still an artistic side to it. So yeah, it's, it's merged those two things really well for me across the years. Yeah, so you were the original Google. Yeah, uh, I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. I I need to take them to task on taking uh, my absolutely. identity away. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, a hundred percent. No, that's that's a super inter interesting background. Um, so you do that for MITRE now. I don't think we mentioned mm -hmm. that to the audience. You do that for MITRE. A lot yeah. of work with the government. A lot of helping mm -hmm. them understand digital transformation. Understand right. DevOps. How to build those technologies into into the uh, infrastructure that they're building. Mm -hmm. But your background is computer science. Mm -hmm. Your background is engineering first, mm -hmm. software mm -hmm. engineering. And now you're a software architect and kind of more focused on design, digital transformation. Those things don't always vibe for people. They can, but they don't always, right? A lot of times I talk to software engineers, developers are like, I bang out the code. That's mm -hmm. what I like doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, ha I care about the architecture. I care about the design, but I'm, I want to live here. And then other times mm -hmm. I talk to folks and they're like, I'm done here. I need to do this now. I need to get bigger. And that sounds like the transition that you made. How did you make that transition? Like what drove you to go? I want the bigger problems. I want the bigger architectural um, issues. Well, so I actually started out within the application architecture. So at the at the app level, we're defining or designing an, an application you know, you can't just bang out code and hope that it's going to be maintainable and manageable. So I actually got involved at first and I was writing uh, epidemiology software that was locally installed. So it needed to be efficient, needed to be able to run on some really low speed <laughs> processors because uh, hospitals, this was uh, epidemiology, so this is birth certificates, death certificates, had to gather that information. Um, so I started there, right? I, I was had been working at AccuWeather before that and had learned a lot about architecture from a fellow who was at, his degree was in urban planning, but it was on the best architects and he backed into technology. He didn't have a degree mm -hmm. um, in tech. Mm -hmm. So I got to understand that you gotta be able to see how things connect. Mm -hmm. But that 
was natural to me. Seeing the big picture and how things connect with one another was natural. So engineering is a complement to that, right? Mm -hmm. So I can see how it fits together. Then I can actually help people figure out how to get it to fit together. Mm -hmm. So in the end, the only thing that matters, a friend of mine, David Sisk from Deloitte says this, the only thing that ultimately matters is quality running code in production. So if I want to get shit done, Mm -hmm. I've got to deal with all of that. And so that's where the architecture comes in. I also can't stand, maybe this is just the miser in me. I can't stand the waste code. So it bothers me when we're reusing code. So that idea of reusability, decoupling, that was always there for me. Cause I couldn't stand if I was writing a, a routine and then I'd be like, if I used it twice, pulling that out, we're making a routine. Okay, somebody else wants to use it, I'm pulling it out and making the library. So I think I also have the benefit of where I joined into the, the tech field, mm-hmm. uh, right at the point where we needed to start to, to break down monoliths and, and get to more things decoupled. Yeah. So. Love that story. How does this, when we're talking about impacting the government through MITRE and the work you do there, mm-hmm. obviously that's massive projects mm-hmm. that take years and, and potentially decades to really roll out, you know, fully, fully effective projects through major swaths of government organization. Is there any difference between doing the work there and doing the work in an enterprise? Or is it just, hey, the, the, the underpinning foundations are the same you know, how we do it is generally the same. There might be some minor tweaks, but at the end of the day, it's a scale, a scope, a process and a red tape and a, and a you know, jumping through hurdles kind of difference. It's a, this is a yes and uh, okay. piece. So the human elements, they, they can be the same, but they're, they're not always. If I look at the age of the technologist, the average age of a technologist who's a government employee, now I'm not talking about government contractors, but government employees, they are, they are later in their careers. So they've got hardcore muscle memory that's not there in the same way that it is with industry. Now in some, like I've been in some health, work with some healthcare organizations, a little bit with some FinTech. Yeah, they've got pockets of that, but they're also rotating through people uh, a bit faster. The government's technical challenges, not all of them are paralleled. Um, Not everybody's firing a missile, Uh, but we have avionics, right? Uh, We we have, (laughs) I came here on United, I'm Mm going to fly home on United. They have those same types of software intensive problems. So there's a, a lot of domain sharing, but some of the imperatives are, are very different. The bottom line, I know that we want to be responsible for the taxpayers, but when it comes to keeping a pilot of an F-35 safe, you're you're not going to cut corners on that, for example. I think the other thing that's really different is the government, until very recently, procured all their software. They bought it. Mm -hmm. Whether they bought it and watched you build it didn't matter, Mm -hmm. but they did not have staff that were engineers. Mm-hmm. They did not have staff who were developers. And that's a big change. Mm-hmm. So they call it going from being contractor-led where the contractors made all the decisions. You said, Jet as a service, or I don't know, whatever software you need. You need enterprise um, case management. Okay, you go do that. Here are my requirements. You just go do it and bring it back to me. Now the government has realized that it's harder um, to not have monoliths with that. Because the tendency is, I'm going to build that for them. I'm going to build it the way I want to build it. And the government didn't necessarily always say, I need this quality standard or this architectural pattern. So we're right at that inflection point because we need to move a whole lot faster. We really need to move faster with everything. And so but, now they're changing their if contracts. We're, if we're moving faster, though. Aren't we going to bump into quality difficulties, right? Isn't that generally the trade-off you make? No. No, that's they they didn't adopt DevSecOps practices before, right? So we it's appropriate. Um, look at the look at their value chain. If it's an existing product, an existing program that you're going to be modernizing, take a look at their value chain, look at their overall flow, figure out where the quality issues are, and then you start attacking those, right? It's risk mitigation technique. And I'd do that whether it was government or not. Fast doesn't mean you're getting rid of quality. I would actually assert that if done well, right, knock on, knock on wood, <laughs> done well, going fast, not crazy running with scissors, but going fast and bring a higher quality, not lower quality. So Ashley and Tyler start going faster with our marketing. Like let's get going. <laughs> I, I didn't, I'm I didn't say, I said, I'm going to demand perfect quality as well. 
no, no. Don't let perfect get in the way of good. Make yes, sure that you have a lot of grace. Um, let them experiment. And when they get it wrong, let them fix it and experiment again. Small nope. increments. Nope. Perfect. Every single time. No, I'm just kidding. It's actually, it's funny you say that. It's exactly how we drive this show. It's exactly how we drive marketing at Jupiter One. If you go back and look at episode one, it looks nothing like what we've done right here, right? Correct. It was iterative, a first try. Hey, let's just get something out there and be real to ourselves and be authentic to ourselves. Move fast. Mm -hmm make some mistakes and let's get this thing out there. And I think we're improving every day. And it, it goes to the point of speed does not have to mm -hmm. affect quality. You can, you can achieve both at the same time. I'm going to change gears a little bit. We got okay. to, we had some serious talk about uh, digital transformation in the government. What, what are you laughing at Ash? I'm just, I'm laughing. I'm glad that you're driving this. This is a lot. You more told like, me to drive it. I know. I know. I appreciate you. <laughs> you have questions, Ash? I'm going to take a break I, here. Ash, I'm just going with questions. the flow. <laughs> I'm just going with the flow here. I mean, I'm just eating everything up that you're seeing okay. because you are a technologist. You are, you <laughs> well, are thank you for sitting on the therapy couch yes. with me. I just, I feel so I love it. So going forward, we always have to have a therapy couch. One of us mm -hmm. has to be on a couch. We have to <laughs> okay. figure this out from for the show. I can comp that, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'll buy you new furniture for your house and you get it written off. Go ahead. Perfect. Yeah. We'll see if we can get that too expensive. <laughs> Jackson, I hope you're listening. Tyler got yeah, said okay. Exactly. <laughs> See if you had, if you go back in your, um, in your history and your bag of tricks and in, in that you've done over the years of your experience and you think of, oh my God, this is the funniest story I ever heard, uh, from one of my transformation projects. What is it? You're not going to like this. I thought about this <laughs> uh -oh. and no, the, the funniest stories were not the stories about the intensity of what was happening in the moment. It wasn't about the joy that you felt when you're high five and when you got something to work. The funniest moments were when you are dog ass tired and you're horsing around and you're laughing because you're, you're almost, you're chortling at the absurdity. And there's a point where you're like, we're tired. It's a delirium. We're punchy. Yes. We need to be gone with this. Those are the fun there. It's actually fun but it's that point where you're like, okay, this is the tipping point. Yes. And it was, it's always in the, or it was the, um, with the ping pong table in the one studio, it'd be horsed around. It was never, we made a mistake mm -hmm. at the, at the helm. Mm -hmm. It was, I, cause I was looking for, when did I really do something stupid ass stupid? <laughs> and I, and I couldn't come up with anything, uh, at least nothing that I would ever share with anybody uh -huh. out of fear of being <laughs> retribution. Um, but you know, the, the funniest things are, Personal together, where we're sharing in something. Um, yeah, I've had some good successes where we've toasted together and we've been goofy about things. But yeah, so yeah, one of um, my old teammates, she used to always talk about this thing about finding swing with your team or like finding your tribe, and like it never clicked to me because I just I never mm -hmm. until it was one of those it was either like the night before a press release or the night before like a yeah. big project launches and like we're late it's like 1 a.m we're on slack and we are just going to town and making all sorts of absurd jokes and mm -hmm. that those are the times where i'm like yes this is this is the team this mm -hmm. is when you know like we've got the flow we've got each other's back and we're just having a grand time doing it so so what I'm hearing here, Ash, is the fact that I drive my team to work till two in the morning and get delirious is actually a net positive, and it's something I need to do more often. I did not hear that. I no, definitely no, did not no, hear no. that conversation. But you, you did remind me of a story that I that I can tell. Of we used to have uh, releases. This was probably about eight or nine years ago, and we would have to release on a Friday night. And the reason that we would do that is so that we didn't impact business users during the day, Monday through Friday type of thing. Uh, and my team was in Hyderabad. Uh, and so I'm the only, it's actually Saturday morning for them. Everybody's bright eyed and, you know, bushy tailed. And here I am yeah. <laughs> talk ass tired. Um, the guys, we got into a conversation, all male team and they're, you know, we're, we're, we were really just killing time because we had things that had install. We knew how long each, this was right. We're doing checklist installation kind of a thing. And we're killing time. We have like 15 minutes until the next thing. So we're watching the process go. And we got onto a conversation of, one of the guys wanted to get married. And I'm like, well, you know, so tell me a little bit about this. Well, push comes to shove. There's actually a number of different websites where you can go out and, and make your list, your shopping list, kind of like a Tinder, but to get married. Yeah. 
Um, and I was like, <laughs> the guys are showing me like their shopping list. I'm like, so what do you do with this? And, and uh, this is all honest story. Yeah. Um, Somek is one of the guys I can, I can call Somek up who will attest to that this is real. <laughs> um, and, and Saituma. And if Saituma hears this, he's probably going to ring me up too. But they shared these things and they were like, well, what we do is we, we create the list. We share it with our parents. Our parents have, you know, they, they do select on your behalf. And so I decided, hey, guys, is that link available anywhere? They're like, yeah, shot me the URL. I'm out, like out there. I'm typing in. I'm picking. I'm picking religion. I'm picking education. I'm picking all kinds of all kinds of classifications that I don't necessarily think that we would get past some of our diversity <laughs> and inclusion things here. Yes. But the list that came out, I'm like, oh, Shazam, and I'm married. Dang it. So, <laughs> true story. True story. They were really awesome because you're left like, huh? It looks pretty good and. Hmm, pretty good education and hmm, a good price tag. <laughs> literally yeah. just shopping. You're just yeah. shopping. Literally just human shopping. Yes. Yeah. Crazy. So, but that was like, it'd be like two in the morning for me and they'd be like, you know, getting ready to have lunch because they're 10 and a half hours ahead. So yeah. 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 There you go. Very nice. That's amazing. Ash, did you have any other, did you have any questions you wanted to dive into before I keep trudging through no, my list? No, keep I on going. So I think, I mean, you're asking all the questions that I wrote down. So this is perfect. Oh, okay. So now you're outing me of not doing any work. Okay. I got it. Thanks. Thanks. Hey, I come up with my own questions too you do. as we you go. Do. You're on flair with it. So I appreciate that. <laughs> I do have my own flair. Um, well, the fat head right, is fine. flair, right? right? Today? <laughs> or is, is that bling? No. You can't no, go no, wrong. No, how could you go wrong? That's how, yeah, how he can have the side talk track of like all the things that he doesn't want attributed to him. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. It all comes from fat head. Um, <laughs> All right, so let me read Ash's next question, since that's all I'm really good at, um, with Anna White of the show. Um, Spin me a letter. <laughs> okay, you have you have a one-line answer to this already written down in our show notes from the pre-brief, but I want you to expand on the one. It's actually a one-word answer. What is the hardest part of a transformation project? Do you remember the one-word answer you gave? I'm sure you do. People. Yep. Humans was the answer yeah. you gave. Can you expand on that? Why is why are humans the most difficult part of that project? You would think, or I would think, that we're all on the same team. We're all going in the same direction. We all want the same outcome. But we're outcome. not. But we're not. Mm -hmm. Nor do we want the same outcome. Uh, think about the muscle memory analogy that I used over or earlier. How long have you been working on that thing? What's your fiefdom? What do you own? What do you even understand? Like, so if we don't all buy in and have a vision and get the support to achieve the vision, none of the other stuff matters. You'll have somebody come in and say, ah, oh, we're going to do a transformation. A transformation to what? From what? Mm -hmm. Is what I have now bad? Am I losing everything that I've accomplished? I like my job as it is. Um, so you've got to be able to bring humans together and you've got to build a vision, right? A unified vision. You actually have to seek out who are your champions, the people who really are energetic about this. And also take note of who's a real downer on it and what's their concern? Because sometimes they've got a concern that they haven't come to talk to you about and they can poison things, but not intentionally not to be mean. Hey, you might even have that person too, but it's, it's human nature is yeah. we don't like now everything is changing and in tech faster. So you put the pressure on me to go fast and I need to DevOps this and cloud that and agile this other thing. And can you do some transformation? The way I got into anything related to digital transformation was that I couldn't get my systems to production because the people were in the way. So I had, to, <laughs> I had to deal with the humans so that I could get my stuff out into production. You know, yeah, it's funny. It's you mentioned a lot of, you mentioned a lot of terms in there mm -hmm. that I think are just general leading people. Turn, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, right? Yes. About finding the the what their needs are, their wants, their their empathies, what excites them, what gets them going, and then mm -hmm. tapping into that to achieve what you need to achieve either as a team or as, you know, in my case, in, in running a business and building a business, right? It's about finding the passions from the people mm -hmm. and encouraging them and, and getting them all going in the right direction. And it yep. sounds like that's one way that you help with transformational projects. It, it really is. It really is. It's also helping the leaders themselves because I'm not their leader. A mm -hmm. lot of times I'm their tech advisor. I'm coming in alongside them. So helping them to model the behavior that they want to see in people, helping them accept that they need to model that behavior. Like a lot of times mm -hmm. they'll like kind of want to outsource to me. I'm like, 
doesn't matter. I could, I could be, mm-hmm. you know, ex- you- the exact model of what you should be doing, but unless you're doing it, your peeps are not going to follow you. Yeah. That you was know? actually one of those questions that I had in my head. I was like, how do you, you do the transformation? How do you get those things to stick? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it, they have to train their own muscle memory. So I work with them to kind of like a therapist, right? You're, <laughs> you're doing the retraining of that muscle memory mm-hmm. alongside them. Mm-hmm. You got to be able to take them aside at times and say, you know, we've got this gap. We've got to fill this gap. Here's what I'm seeing, or I'm observing this with your your folks, mm-hmm. but also asking them how they think it's going. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of personal interaction. I, I, I guess, I don't know if you used this word earlier, Tyler, but empathy is huge right now. Yeah. I don't know how we forgot about it or why we didn't pay attention to it in the way that we need to now, um, but we do. And so many people have said to me, like, I'm not an empath. Like, you don't have it's to be an empath. It's a skill you can train. Exactly. Or, you know, the, the idea, my friend Brian Finster says that he just fakes it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just, pre- he pretends. Mm-hmm. But that's good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not by nature an empathetic person, by acting in an empathetic way, you train yourself to be looking for it. And you actually do become empathetic. Now, you might not be 100%. a full bore empath. Right. But you have to start somewhere, right? You have to 100%, take a percent You, you, a hundred percent have hit on a, a very important topic there for people who, and a lot of times this comes from, you know, high tech background people who are, are used to working with with technology and bytes and bits and and hardware and, you know, you don't have to be empathetic to a piece of hardware. If it doesn't work, you throw it away. You put a new one in. You know, if a bit doesn't work, you flip it to the other bit. You can uh-huh. force it to be what you want. You cannot force people to be what you want. Right. People are going to be what people are going to be. And I think one thing that I've learned actually is a personal growth over my lifetime, my career, is that empathy is not something you're born with or without. This is something you can learn to use. You can learn to make others feel better, put others first. And exactly like you're talking about, it felt so fake to me when I first started focusing on other people Mm -hmm. first and providing saying, hey, what can I do to make this person's life easier? It felt super fake. It felt like I wasn't being authentic to myself. Fast forward a long time of, of doing that. And it, it does become second nature of, hey, I actually care. I actually want that other person to succeed. But you bring and up a really interesting balance, Tyler. You bring up a really interesting balance. So that's one of the pushbacks I've heard people say. And and I'm, I've thought about that myself. Like, am I really being authentic if I'm, if I'm acting in this way? Well, yes, if you've made a decision you're often, you understand where your highs and lows are, where your development needs are, then yeah, you are working actively to improve your authentic self. But I've heard that uh, a couple of times people have pushed back because it's too hard. It's too crunchy. It's too emotional. Myself, even I will say I went into technology because I don't like dealing with people. Mm -hmm. I like humans. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of an introverted extrovert. Mm-hmm. Um, honest to goodness, Tyler. I'm like, once I get done talking to people, I'm like, okay, I want to go. go I'm going to go hibernate after this. Don't worry. Yeah, that's exactly what I do with it with a nice drink and my feet up in front of the TV. Yeah. So, um, yeah. but yeah, people people are 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 strange and odd. And I went into tech because I actually I went into tech not because of people. I went into tech because I thought it was really cool mm-hmm. and I've really loved it. Mm-hmm. I just didn't expect no course that I ever had there. I'm not a single course until a grad school course that I took two years ago mm-hmm. talked about humans, mm-hmm. none of them. And when it did, it was actually, there's a book written by the professor's name is Philip LaPlante and they are patterns and anti-patterns for managing software projects. And I was like, wow, wait, we're talking about human stuff here. Holy crap. Mm-hmm. Goodness. And so it, it blew me away because I never had that in a decade and a half before that. Yeah. yeah, I think one of the things talking about the trends in RSA, I just went to a session today with Sunil and um, Kelly Shortridge, mm-hmm. and they were talking about behavioral economics, which is a fancy way of saying, how do humans work, right? Uh, and so they were talking about the lizard brain and your he calls it the velociraptor. But basically you have... Every human being has two different ways of like thinking in their brain. There's like the inner one that is very black and white. And it's very like, I'm either need to fight or flee mm-hmm. kind of situation. Um, and then the velociraptor is the one that's a little bit more rational. Like you think through it, you're a little bit more empathetic. 
so I think the the interesting thing that I'm seeing, at least from that particular presentation, is we're talking more about, hey, this is how humans work. And so if we need to work together to solve a problem, mm -hmm. like we need to, one, be aware that we've all got lizard brains and probably not trigger them, um, or at least be aware enough about them to talk through it yes. to get to a place where That's we can, point. you know, change the processes. Yeah, That's a good point. That's a yeah. good point. Just the, the entire focus on humans it's coming at a point where things are moving so fast with technology and we're all getting overwhelmed, mm -hmm. right? The cognitive overload is real. Mm -hmm. um, we're not able to, and we've gone from being generalist to specialist, to generalist to specialist to super specialist. And we're all trying to navigate. We're trying to consume all this information that's coming at us all the time. And we're all acting at times in an emotional way. But mm -hmm. we used to say, you had your business personality, like this is how you behave in the office and you don't let anybody know anything about you. Mm -hmm. And you're, this is my personal, my professional, mm -hmm. my personals over here. And they're different things. I am not that person. Yeah. I, nor, I really never was that much. Mm -hmm. I've always been kind of open with who I am, but I see more people talking about, I don't like, I don't like the term work-life balance. Cause that's says, sounds so, like there's a balance. So that's malarkey, right? Yes. That, that just doesn't really exist. Yeah. Um, you have career life meshing mm -hmm. and fit. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's where we're at now is that. And finding so, a rhythm yeah. that works for you. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. So um, communication is one of the key mm -hmm. things that we've been talking about, right? Um, technical topics are really hard to mm -hmm. communicate, right? We talked mm -hmm. about de-jargoning uh, already a little bit. If you were to give someone tips, like say, uh, do you have any pointers for for people who want to improve their ability to communicate really techy, nerdy, difficult, complex topics to an audiences of, you know, that could be experts in the field all the way down through to, hey, I just heard about this topic today. Mm -hmm. What's the tips? Do you have any like, here's the top handful of things that, that makes that easier? Um, I always start with a relatively... Um, straightforward definition, the one-liner um, as, as a starting point when I'm trying to help somebody learn something. So key in on what the, this is going to be the core thing that we're going to be talking about today and give them that little bit, bit of foundation. And then I look for an analogy. You guys have heard me before. I use lots of analogies to things that are that everybody can relate to. Mm -hmm. So I'll talk about raising kids or I'll talk about pets or I'll talk about health or diets or Align it to something gardening. that everybody knows. Gardening, gardening. yes. <laughs> I do talk about gardening. Um, I talk about all, but lining things up to life experiences that we're more likely to have shared. Uh, now, it doesn't always work. It works with the transformation things. Uh, it can't always work with technology, but I can break even break the technology down. I can use mechanical analogies that mm -hmm. everybody understands. We can talk about cars flowing onto uh, a highway and the off ramps and the on ramps and how we throttle the speed. So we can talk about those things when we talk about networks. Um, but I think it is, it does come down to the storytelling mm -hmm. um, and having those analogies that resonate pretty widely. Cause if you just come in and just start talking about, you know, TCP, people are going to, they, those who know are listening for the words that they know. Mm -hmm. And those who don't know those words and don't have a frame of reference, they've tuned out and you've lost them. Yeah. So it was interesting in the de-jargonizing talk that I went to yesterday, she walked, Carrie would walk through um, the multi-factor authentication. How do you define it? And it was funny because she pulls up, I want to say it's NIST's okay. uh, definition mm -hmm. of it. And it's like, it has the word authenticate, an authenticator, and authentication in the definition. Which is, that's like breaking English <laughs> rules from like fourth grade, right? You can't write the word in yes. the definition. Yeah. Um, and then I think, I'm trying to remember who she cited for the other one. Is it, I think it was a vendor who had this definition. But they said multi-factor authentication is basically having another secondary way to prove that you are who you are, right? Mm -hmm. to log in. Yep. And I was like, that is such a simpler way that mm -hmm. even like, other educated people who are not in the space can understand what it is. Yeah. So it's just, it's interesting. How do you use simple words to explain such all these different topics, right? And be able to bridge that gap. Yep. So. And it takes practice too. Um, I have to, I like when I get my teams together, I ask them different questions and I, when they are getting too transactional with their words, mm -hmm. ask them to explain it to me. And I'll put myself out there as mm -hmm. though I don't know what it is. Oftentimes I should and do.
to tell you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I'll ask for the definition. I'll say, oh, if we're going to explain that to somebody coming onboarding to the team, how would we explain that to somebody we're onboarding? Mm -hmm. That's often a good way to help your team figure out how they're going to word those things. Nice. But communication, oh my gosh. There's a term, I wrote about this recently, called rubber ducking. Have you heard of this? No. Yep, so rubber duck debugging. Um, it's the concept that um, it tracks back to, they say there's urban legend that says that you know developers actually have a little rubber duck and it doesn't matter who they talk to. If you explain the problem that you're having, if you communicate the problem that you're having, the answer to the problem or the root cause will manifest. But if you just keep plugging away at trying to debug it, it doesn't happen. So mm -hmm. this concept of rubber ducking is force people to explain, mm -hmm. use your words, like, no, use your words, tell me what's going on, mm -hmm. explain to me the situation that how many times have you tried to fix it? What are the different things that you've tried? Mm -hmm. Why did you try and fix them? It's all communication skills. And it's actually a, a, <laughs> a debugging technique, but yeah. it's based on communication. It's not based on anything else, but decomposing problems and communicating, you know, really succinctly. Yeah, surfacing what assumptions you're making. Mm -hmm. oh. Rubber ducking. Look it up. I, I didn't make it up. something new today. Learning yeah. something yes. new every day. Be, be careful if you Google for it. That could be could be bad. <laughs> um. Come on, Tyler. <laughs> that was fathead, Tyler. I didn't, that I didn't say type in whitehouse.com. I mean, I didn't, I didn't tell you that. For those that were listening on audio only, that was fathead, Tyler. That was not. Okay, that was fathead, Tyler. Okay, said that. got um, it. Okay. So I have on my show notes here that you mentioned you like to be stage crew in quotes. Mm -hmm. What does that typically look like? Help me understand what you mean by that when you say you want to be stage crew. I think this starts, the first question should be, you're a real technologist. Mm -hmm. Oh, I skipped that question. Your uh, okay. LinkedIn profile yeah. Yeah. among many titles. Mm -hmm. software yeah, software help me understand. Software. What do you mean by that? Okay, so what does real technologist, if you go and look at my profile, you'll see it and be like, that's strange, of course. It's, yeah, she's, she's an architect. She's, technologist. Uh, like, why why real? Um, that came from to put my pronouns in my signature block, and, and I wouldn't do it. And it's not because I don't think that it's a fantastic way to be an ally, mm -hmm. right? So if somebody has different pronouns than what you would assume, mm -hmm. just based on visuals, um, then they, we want them to feel comfortable putting it out there. But for me, for Bannon, for me, at my age, based on my career, I spent my entire career without putting my pronouns out there, without saying woman technologist, woman this, et cetera, that. You know, I, I, I don't do that. Mm -hmm. And in a rant, I said, my God, look, I'm a technologist and I control my adjectives. So I'm putting it out there. I'm real. Mm -hmm. that, that's it. And from that, uh, this rant was with Tracy Reagan. Uh, it was an Adrian Schulman. It was a, with a number of other women. We would just get together and on <laughs> Thursday evenings and banter on the phone for a bit. Um, we started trying to figure out how we could make this an opportunity for us to help other people. Mm -hmm. So there are very, very out there in front of everybody, seminars and sessions, women in tech, women in leadership, whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. um, transgender, black, whatever, pick your diversity topic, age diversity, educational diversity is not there yet, but we're going to get there. Well, they, th there are times where people look at that and they're like, it doesn't feel as authentic to me. Is there another way that I can help to make it more authentic? Well, I can do that behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. I can do that by being stage crew. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I have my time on stage for other things, but by being stage crew, what I mean is, well, maybe Ashley's never presented uh, in front of a thousand people before. Maybe that interests her. She hasn't done it, a little timid about it. Maybe she reaches out and we talk about it and I help enable her or better yet, I know that she hasn't put her stuff in yet. Hey, let's let's write this together. Mm -hmm. So there's a bit of mentoring. There's a bit of helping other women, other um, well, any any diversity. <laughs> Sorry, Tyler, probably not going to help you, but I'll help you. Um, anybody? No, but anybody who needs a little bit of a lift in whatever area that they need that little bit of a lift. So Real Technologists is a very informal group of us who stands to the call. Somebody reaches out to us on LinkedIn. They reach out to us by email. What is it they want? You want us to look over your resume? Sure, I'll, I'll read your resume. I'll give you some pointers. I had a woman call me who is struggling with 
Um, she had graduated. She did a couple years of international work, like the the teachers uh, teach for America, something mm -hmm. like that. Two opportunities. One was with exceptionally mobile consultancy, and she's like, "I don't know how to make the I don't know how to make the choice." I'm like, I don't know you from Adam. Let's hop on the phone. Let's have a conversation, mm -hmm. and we did. And we talked for a good hour. Mm -hmm. So I can make a difference by providing that subtle help personal. or that more private, mm -hmm. that more personal help. Yeah. So they don't, I don't need to be called out for it. I don't have a website that says just sign up for a two ninety nine mm -hmm. a day. Right. Yeah. This much per tweet. I don't have anything like that. It is a group of us that just said, just talk to us and tell us if you need something. And at the same time, I, cause I need the next generation. I need, I need, Ashley, I need you. <laughs> I, we need to, we need to well, continue to pay it forward. <laughs> So. Yeah, I think what I love about that is you're, you don't need a fancy nonprofit, a fancy name or a fancy organization that you're working with in order to make a difference. And I yeah. think for me for so long, because I, I mean, I love working with middle school kids. And so I usually try to volunteer with like, you know, an agency or like, mm -hmm. you know, local groups. Right. Um, but it's okay to, you know, mentor your next door neighbor, yeah. right? And like be make a make it personal, right? Yeah. With um, the people that you meet at yeah. these events online. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you can make a difference without having a corporate charter, without having a national branded website. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not saying any of those things about. I'm no. a member of the IEEE. I'm a member of the the women engineers. I mm -hmm. mean, I've got a number of different things where I'm involved in it. Mm -hmm. But where I felt like I was making a bigger difference was at the spot level where I could see transformation happening in that human. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it depends. Purpose Whatever. and impact is not necessarily with you got the name. It. You the are language. wise beyond your years, young grasshopper. <laughs> yes, Thank she you. is. Yes, yes, she is. Um, so we're getting close to the end of the hour. Did we have mm -hmm. a game or are we skipping the game this week, Ash? I don't Uh we did not talk about a game. We didn't, we did not <laughs> Judging by game. the look on her face, I think we're okay to pass on the game today. I'm okay. I'm okay to pass on the game unless we're doing like rock, paper, scissors thing, <laughs> whatever. Ooh. Okay. Here's what we're gonna do. Rock, paper, scissors. Okay. One and done. One and done. Are you okay. ready? Mm -hmm. You too. No, we're gonna do best of three for you too. Are we doing it on one, two, three, four? Like Rochambeau shoot? Sure. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Yeah. However you say right, it. Best of three. We'll do okay. Okay, Best ready? Of three. Okay. Oh my gosh. One, two, three, four. Yeah, I know, I know. Sorry. Okay, Ash does not know how to count. She <laughs> does not know okay. how to count. We're going to okay. do one, two, three, go. Shoot. Okay. Okay. Gosh darn it. That's not one. It's best of three. That's one. Best oh, three. Oh, okay. One, two, three. Oh. Oh my gosh. Okay. Champion. The game. champion rock, yes. paper, scissors. Yes. And we're in she gold, does the champ yellow. dance and everything. Yeah, <laughs> we have to have a game. So I had to do that because it wouldn't be a cyber therapy without a game. True. As small as that game was, we had yeah, to have it one. It was. It was um, very tiny and enjoyable. I, the last two one. I was fearful I would not win. Okay, just need to know that. <laughs> I, I want to use the last two minutes to call out a couple things um, while we're at RSA. Mm -hmm. The wonderful Jupiter One team at RSA, my team that I have deputized to go out there and, and kick ass for everything Jupiter One, is doing an amazing job. And I want to call out, there's a certain person that's walking around with neon green pants. Way beyond, there they are. <laughs> way beyond the level of green that's acceptable for any visual sight if you want to keep your eyes in your head and not burn the retinas. <laughs> So there were people if, turning away as we walked up the street together. Oh my they gosh, they have to shade their eyes like they're they're viewing a nuclear reaction or something. Mm -hmm. right? I had my sunglasses so. on for a while with her, yeah. <laughs> um I do want to say thank you to Ashley for for doing this and being out there and putting herself out there for this show. Um I do want to directly call out on Twitter. I wanted I want to take Ashley from 200 98, sorry, from 98, just shy of 100 followers on her Twitter account. I want to see if we can double that, double that in June. Let's see if we can get Ashley up to 200 Twitter followers this June. I think our listeners can do that. I'm going to start personally making it a personal mission and tweeting about the girl with neon green pants and see if we can get her to 200 followers by the end of June. Um, but the reason I'm bringing this up isn't just to drive followers to her account, although that's pretty cool. She's doing some really amazing stuff on Twitter, on Instagram, on all of the really 
interesting social media stuff. The stuff that I, I and Fathead Tyler can't figure out because we're we're just too old and stupid. Ashley yeah. is all over that for the company and doing a great job for that for Jupiter One. So you. smash your like buttons, smash your follow buttons, hit your subscribe buttons for this show. We're on YouTube. We're on LinkedIn. Ashley's all over everything social media. Please get out there. She's Ash Cash N on Twitter. And once you mm-hmm. find her on Twitter, you can see all the other links through there. Um, is there any last minute questions, comments, follow up from either one of my uh, my co-hosts and guests tonight? And Tyler P, if you got you got any comments back there in the booth, please throw <laughs> them out. I'm just fearful about this background search that you did. So <laughs> I'm waiting when to see When he said he went through oh, like your LinkedIn archive. <laughs> I, I nearly forgot something. I nearly forgot something. So we have five minutes left. And one of your hobbies is gardening. It is. And mm-hmm. one of your other hobbies is little people in gardens. that's correct but that sounds way worse than what it is hey we have photographic evidence of little people in gardens so there there is not only does she does little people in gardens she actually (gasps) does wwe wrestling of little people in gardens yes who won the match the undertaker (laughs) and that is the rock at the bottom right so So. who won the match who won the match oh it's cena don't you see john cena in the back there yeah hands up raised john cena Yes, he won, of course. But none of the gnomes No, none of the gnomes were actually wrestling. So they're actually all outside the ropes. So this is part you can see in the background, there's another house. uh, So what I was doing was I was gnome bombing the neighborhood. And I'll tell you about that in a second. But I was looking for (laughs) since these, these, during the pandemic, people are going for a walk because what else are you going to do? And people are just getting into biking, but what do you do with a young kid to take him for a walk? And I realized how much fun that was. So I started to put more and more little fairy gardens around this massive oak tree that's right in front of my house. My dad, my mom died suddenly. My dad's living with me and my dad is starting to enjoy watching all these kids come by. Well, then I started, every time I added something, I have a little RV park. Yep. I've got, it's got a little yoga studio in the back. This was last year. And uh, we're like, what else can we do? My husband's like, well, maybe there needs to be like an arena or something fun to do. So we built that. And what we did one day is we had a little sign up that said coming soon. You know, there's going to be a show that's coming soon, but we didn't say what the show was going to be. Next day when they walked by, all of the village was empty. There were no human, none of the gnomes or the fairies anywhere. They were all at the WWF wrestling. Oh my, oh my goodness. Oh, the kids in the neighborhood just loved it. And it was a hoot. That so. is absolutely fantastic. We have a second one here. Can you explain what this what this one is? For oh, those this was a little bit of Christmas there. So uh, yeah, we I kept it going year round. Uh, right now I have the smallest, tiniest that I've ever had because we had a snowstorm in the spring and I brought everything in and it's time for me to put it back out, but I'm here at RSA. So sorry, you, RSA. You know it's absolutely amazing to me in this photo go go back mm-hmm. one more time t what's amazing to me in that photo is like you have like miniature water fountains and trees and like mm-hmm. doors and where did you find all that stuff uh um some of it was the the house was built for me by a friend uh and it's literally like a lunchbox on the back of it and she applied all the stones to it oh my um gosh. I buy things on on Etsy. I make little things out of sculpty here and there. Um, the Michaels. you see the the lights that are on the poles. Oh, yeah, those are actually bamboo bamboo skewers. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, but I just Gosh. found yeah. some little LED lights on so uh, on Amazon, and so it's a. Like I said, my mom was an art teacher, so there's a little bit of that in my brain, uh, <laughs> and uh, pl- messing around with the the. the Fairy gardens is kind of. Fun I can't believe way. I nearly forgot to bring this up because I'm so glad I did because it just puts so much cool color around you as a person and your personality, and I freaking love it. Um, <laughs> audience, please go go find at Tracy Bannon B A N N O N on Twitter, uh, Ash Cash N at the end on Twitter. I am just T X S on Twitter. Yes, I'm one person with a three letter handle on Twitter. Okay. Um, what a great show! What a great show! Thank you so much. Tracy, thank you so much, Ash. Thank you, Tyler P. In the background, appreciate you, my friend. Um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yep, we're gonna All right, go. Normally, this is the part of the our, show. Yeah. You want me go to ahead. close up? Okay, cool. So we are about to head over to our booth in the South Hall of Moscone, 325. You go down the escalators, go all the way to the left. 
we're going to go for a book signing. Um, so you'll see Tracy there as well as uh, some of their other authors for the Reinventing Cybersecurity book. Um, we will also be doing a book signing tomorrow morning for the Cyber Defense Matrix with Sunil Yu. So feel free to drop by then too if you're watching this between now and tomorrow. Uh, and other than that, I think uh, that's about it. So Absolutely amazing. Yeah. This, this Thanks, is the guys. spot where I normally kick you off my show. But you've been <laughs> such an amazing guest. And quite frankly, I can't hit a button and delete you. So thank you for coming. I'm going to well, be thank polite. You. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad right. to know that you just can't delete me. And yes. so you're leaving me here. You're here forever, Tracy. All right. Thank you so much for, for uh, coming on to our show. And I appreciate you guys. We'll see you in two weeks.